Plants capture CO2. What if we could help industrial plants capture it too? Think how we could help lower emissions. More and more scientists think carbon capture is key to reducing CO2 emissions globally. It's one way ExxonMobil is helping industrial plants be more like plants. That's the unexpected energy of ExxonMobil. And there you go. The clock is ticking. We're so glad you could be with us as we count down the final few hours now until today's trade deadline. I'm Wendy Nix with Field Yates, Tim Hasselbeck, Coach John Fox. Uh, we've got our team of NFL Nation reporters standing by as well. But we will start with Adam Schefter reporting now that Demarius Thomas is on the move. Adam? Wendy, the longest tenured member of the Denver Broncos, a man that helped them win the Super Bowl out in Santa Clara against the Carolina Panthers, has been dealt to the Houston Texans along with a seventh-round draft pick. The Broncos will be getting back a fourth-round pick and a seventh-round pick, but the big savings here, I think, is that $4 million comes off their payroll this year, $14 million comes off their payroll next year. Interestingly enough, Demarius Thomas's first game as a member of the Houston Texans will be in Denver against the Broncos on Sunday. The Broncos did not have any reservations about trading Thomas to a team that they would be facing on Sunday. The Texans in desperate need of another wide receiver after they lost Will Fuller to a season-ending torn ACL last Thursday night against the Miami Dolphins. They were working the phones. They spoke to the 49ers about Pierre Garçon. They spoke to the Denver Broncos about Demarius Thomas. They talked about other wide receivers, but in the end, ultimately, Houston liked Thomas and the value that he would bring to Houston. And so moments ago, those two sides completed a trade that involved one player and three draft picks where Demarius Thomas goes to Houston and will play his first game on Sunday in Denver against the Broncos. How about them apples, Shefty? Nothing like playing your first game against your former team. The Broncos will hold a 2.30 Eastern press conference, at which point you will hear from John Elway. But let's talk about Houston first. Obviously, with the injury to Will Fuller, this is an addition they were looking for. What's the impact of Thomas's arrival? No mystery, Wendy, on two things. First of all, that Houston was going to acquire a veteran wide receiver in some way, shape, or form, and that Demarius Thomas, who you spoke to anybody around the NFL in the past 72 hours, he was the player most often mentioned as likely to be dealt before this 4 p.m. trade deadline in just two hours and 30 or so minutes. But for Houston, they lost a player in Will Fuller who is in the conversation for the best vertical play wide receivers in the AFC, which is why a name like Deshaun Jackson was often linked to Houston in these trade talks before this Demarius Thomas trade. Demarius Thomas is averaging 11.2 yards per catch this year. He's a different player now than he was. I know Coach can certainly speak to this a handful of years ago. But if you look at the available pieces on that Houston offense, there wasn't a natural in-house replacement to take on a Will Fuller-type role. And you got to figure that Demarius Thomas will be revitalized playing with one of the best young quarterbacks in football. And I think that perhaps part of why his yards per catch is lower in Denver this season is by design. It's the way he's used as opposed to how he might be used now when he goes to Houston. No player coach is the same as they were three, four, seasons ago but having said what field did what 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 can he do right now for the remainder of this season for the Houston Texans well he's got a big catch radius he still has vertical speed he showed evidence that that this season uh, he can go up and get the jump ball which uh, I know Bill O'Brien has seen and, and, and people around the league and Demarius still has a lot of football left I think this is going to help obviously with the loss um, you know of a starting receiver like Will Fuller he's still vertical he still has possession ability he's got big hands uh, and I think the thing that really helped you know is Wes Welker's there who was also 
also a teammate. Demarius is a good teammate, and, and I'm sure they were looked into all those avenues as well. Have you heard of a situation where a player is traded and then just several days later faces his former team? Not, not, not that fast. I, I don't I think even. Do you fly out? It reminds me of like a lawyer Malloy when you signed with the Bills. Yeah, so you do. You do I guess you do. <laughs> yeah. You need to practice. <laughs> I mean, you can't just say I'll meet you at the stadium. Well, you might. I right. mean, it, I, here's a, here's what I think is interesting though. This is this is really a half a season proposition rental, for the yeah. Texans. I mean, it's a half a season rental for the Texans. This made a ton of sense for the Denver Broncos. If you think about it, Demarius Thomas due, I think, north of $14 million a year from now. Correct, yep. Cortland Sutton, to be honest with you, has actually been better. You know what I mean? He, he, they've been trying to find ways to get him on the field in Denver. He's been, he, he's been outstanding. And then you look at really what Emmanuel Sanders has been for them. He's been Case Keenum's favorite target. And... You know, there were some rumors around Emmanuel Sanders, and it seemed like Denver kind of squashed that quickly. Like, no, no, he's not available, but our other wide receiver is. So, you know, I think what's interesting here is it kind of signals that that Houston feels like they can probably win this division this year with a little bit of help at wide receiver after the Will Fuller injury because this is really about the 2018 season. Yeah, it's it's a win-now move to be sure. Jeff Legwold is on the ground in Denver. I know, Jeff, you have spoken to Demarius Thomas. What has he said? Uh, Wendy, I've spoken to Demarius a couple times in recent days. Uh, after the game Sunday, he put the odds of this at 50-50, he said. And then when I saw him yesterday, uh, I think he was almost resigned to the fact that this move would be made. Uh, in the Blancos, it does make sense on the surface of it and logically, but in the locker room, this this will be an interesting uh, thing because I, I think people see Demarius as the longest tenured player of the team. He's been durable. He hasn't missed a game since I believe even John's uh, John Fox's first season as as coach. So uh, he's been durable. He's been reliable. And the biggest reason Cortland Sutton has made the advancements he has this year is because of Demarius Thomas. Well, it's interesting, Jeff. We're going to go back to Adam Schefter in just a minute. But, John, let me ask you about that since you're familiar with this situation. Do you agree that this will be an interesting play inside the locker room for the Broncos? Yeah, I think so. Anytime you have a veteran player that, you know, again, he's one of those guys who was in that Super Bowl in 15. And, you know, he's got a lot of weight in that locker room. You know, but like everybody, they adjust. And I think it's a great move, really, for the Texans because where else were they going to get this type of player and this type of an impact, really, in that locker room? in a tied-up division, and, and they need to make a push here in the second half of the season. I'm talking about the, the Houston Texans. So. Well, they'll, they'll make that push with Demarius Thomas. Again, the trade deadline, 4 o'clock Eastern today. So the Broncos sending Thomas to Houston. The Texans will face the Broncos this weekend. Let's turn back now to Adam Schefter, who's got some information on other players who may be on the move, including Golden Tate. Shefty? Well, this is a name to watch here, Wendy. The Detroit Lions have been open to moving on from Golden Tate. And here's a name that teams have been calling about all summer long. And all summer long, they were told, no, he's not available. But there's been a flurry of activity surrounding Golden Tate's name as the trade deadline is drawn closer and closer. And so we will wait to see if the Lions are able to find an acceptable offer by the 4 p.m. Eastern deadline today that would send Golden Tate to another city. Again, you've seen some of these teams, seen, seen some of these teams where basically they're trying try to make a move. The other wide receiver, Pierre Garçon. Basically, he's in a situation where the 49ers also have been trying to find a suitor. Houston would have been interested in Pierre Garçon 
if they had not been able to work out a deal for Demarius Thomas. But they were able to work out a deal. And because of that, now San Francisco is trying to see if, if he could find a place where they could find him. Now, Janoris Jenkins, a Giants defensive back, cornerback, is a player that other teams have talked about. Again, the salary is not out of whack for a cornerback. The Giants have shown they're willing to move on from players. But I think that, obviously, right now, Jenkins is a player that demands some attention. Landon Collins is a player that demands some attention. Olivier Vernon is a player that demands some attention. But we've got a situation with teams have to decide whether it's worth the salary. That's not the case with Landon Collins, who's in the last year of his contract. Clearly, the Giants obviously have seen that they're going to be unable to re-sign him, and rather than re-sign him, they're looking to see if they can move on from him at this point in time. They've talked to teams. We'll see whether or not they can find a team that is interested. Landon Collins isn't even thinking about leaving. We'll see what happens with that. Another defensive back to watch here as the 4 o'clock trade deadline approaches is ha-ha Clinton Dix in Green Bay. Also a player on an expiring contract. Also a player that has garnered some attention around the league. And we'll see whether the Green Bay Packers can find a trade partner for ha-ha Clinton Dix here at 4 o'clock. Well, Shefty, thank you. Again, the end of the business day, at least for the league, which in this case is 4 o'clock Eastern. We'll have much more from Schefter, obviously, as we go through the course of the next 90 minutes. He's he's working That phone line is turning up today for Shefty. It is a busy day to be Adam Schefter, and understandably so. But let's talk just a minute about the Giants, because the word fire sale has been used. That gets a lot of folks' attention. I don't know if that's what you'd call it, Field, but certainly a team to keep an eye on at 1-7. and Teams have known that the Giants have been open for business, and I think it really goes back to a couple of weeks to go on Monday Night Football when they lose to the Atlanta Falcons, that game that people said, all right, at that point, what's the rest of the season mean for the New York Giants? And the focus has to be on development. And it's not just that the team is 1-7, and seven, is that they're in the first year of a new regime. GM Dave Gettleman and head coach Pat Shermer, and I don't want to say that players from previous regimes are no longer a part of the future going forward, but Dave Gettleman might value players differently than other Regimes around the NFL could value them. Like, for example, a Landon Collins. People are saying to yourself, why would you want to trade a former second-round pick in his young to mid-20s, an excellent safety? Well, Dave Gettleman does not have a long history of paying defensive backs. That goes back to his time in Carolina, and Collins is in the final year of his deal. But between Janoris Jenkins, Landon Collins, some really interesting names left on that defensive side of the ball, maybe the Giants consider to parlay one of those players, if not both, for picks because we know – the focus is on 2019 and beyond. It has to be. And, Coach, you know this as well as anybody. I mean, talent assessment to a degree is subjective. Uh, everybody, the beauty's in the eye of the beholder, so to speak. And not only that, every new regime wants to do different things, has overall different philosophies. So you can understand how the Giants would want to make some changes now, especially at 1-7 and seven with new folks who've arrived. And then you're always looking to change the culture in that locker room as well. They've been on a losing streak. A lot's been made. How many games they've lost since even last season at 3-13 and 13 and into this season. So changing the culture, getting new picks, kind of bringing your own guys in and raising them in the culture you want to, again, there's an advantage to that. So I think right now to try to find value, again, for players, regardless of what the names are, you know, for those new draft picks in next year's, uh, next year's draft. I mean, here's the, the Giants, <clears throat> while they thought that they were kind of going all in on Eli playing well and investing in the offensive line, they're not good. They're, they're a bad football team, and the reality is, is that they now are no longer in a situation where they feel like really they're cl- they can't feel like they're close. I mean, there's no way they can feel like they are a close football team. And so I think that's why someone like Janoris Jenkins – 
you'd even consider moving. I mean, just think about the money for Janoris Jenkins. I mean, he's still a relatively young player. He's 30 years old. He um, is making just over you know, $6 million this year, but he's under contract for the next two years at about $10 million. For a really good corner, that's not terrible. I mean, that's not, a, that's not you know, bad money. And so it's not like it's a contract that you're trying to get out of or you know that you're going to end up cutting him. So I think, you know, to me, this signals to the Giants, for the Giants, especially with what they've done so far, they clearly kind of, you know, didn't assess their current situation properly in terms of how the quarterback would play and what that means for the team going forward. That might be the real root of the issue in New York is scouting is not easy in the NFL. It just isn't. Like, I'm not trying to make excuses for general managers and coaches because they're well compensated and they're the best at what they do. But everybody has personnel swings and misses from draft picks to free agent acquisitions to trades made around the NFL. But perhaps the most important thing you have to be able to scout is yourself you got to know your own roster, and the Giants seem to have misplayed their hand with what they had on the dock. I would just say this, too, in terms of the safety market in general. I mean, let's just be honest about the safety market. I mean, Earl Thomas wanted to get traded one money. You know, now, now Landon Collins is due for a new deal. Ha-ha, yeah. Clint uh-huh, Hicks is going to be yep. due for a new deal. Like, I, honestly, if I'm a team, I'm not, I'm not going to be the first one to pay uh, safety. Right. I, I'm going to wait and see what everybody else is going to do. Well, let me ask you about ha-ha, Clinton Dix. Among those names that you heard Adam Schefter mention, if you put your scouting hat on in terms of what he brings, Coach, what is it? Well, I think more and more you're seeing the ball being passed so much. Guys are actually looking for third and fourth corner, you know, especially on passing downs with multiple wide receivers, more corner-type ability. And, you know, Clinton didn't run real well coming out, and I think that's kind of, you know, what, what people hesitate on paying safeties big money. They're going to more corner types. Whereas Janoris Jenkins, I think there's a market for him out there. As, mm-hmm. You know, as Timmy mentioned, he's not a real high salary. I was involved a couple of years ago in trying to get him out of St. Louis. So, uh, then St. Louis. And so he's got a pretty good contract and I think still some ability depending on how people look at it. And I think there's more of a market for cover guys. You know, on a day like today when you have a trade deadline, anytime you talk about trades, you're not just talking about talent but value as well. You have to exactly. marry those two things really to find a fit. We're just getting started. Four o'clock Eastern, the NFL's trade deadline today. We continue our coverage of today's trade deadline, which as expected has been busy. Demarius Thomas is on the move. Thomas headed to Houston. Uh, Thomas plus a seventh rounder in exchange for a fourth and seventh round pick. Ironically, his first game for the Texans will come against the Denver Broncos this weekend. And from his teammate Von Miller in response to the news, and of course this happening uh, all in real time, and Von Miller says quite clearly, I'm a cry, what's he say, I'm a crying in the car. Uh, a cry in the car. I'm a cry in the car. I've done that before myself. I, we've, we've all been there, Von. Hang uh, in there. Uh, listen, he is not the only player on the move. Golden Tate apparently has a new place to play. For more on that, yes. we'll go back to Adam Schefter. Well, Wendy, moments ago, the Detroit Lions agreed to send Golden Tate, the wide receiver, to the Philadelphia Eagles for a third-round pick. This marks the second straight year that the Philadelphia Eagles complete a deal right before the trade deadline last year, sending a fourth-round pick to the Miami Dolphins for Jay Ajayi this year, sending a third-round pick to the Detroit Lions for Golden Tate, whose contract is up after this season. So basically, the Eagles are trading a third-round pick to the Lions for what amounts to be a rental player. Now, if you lose Golden Tate in free agency, you get back a compensatory draft pick. So what you have here is a team that's giving up a third-round pick now, and if it doesn't re-sign Golden Tate, knows that he will sign a big contract elsewhere 
and then get back a compensatory draft pick in 2020. So it's taking Golden Tate on a loan for this year. The Eagles have been looking for another playmaker all along. They had made a bid on Amari Cooper. They did not get Amari Cooper. They attacked Golden Tate. This is a receiver that a number of teams wanted that Detroit didn't want to deal, but Detroit's stance changed within the last week, seemingly, where it began to field offers from other teams. The Lions had attempted to re-sign Golden Tate to a long-term contract. When they were unable to do that, they began listening more seriously to other teams out there and moments ago completed a deal with the Philadelphia Eagles, the defending world champion Philadelphia Eagles, that sends Tate to Philadelphia for a third-round pick. Adam, thank you. And clearly there is some history. It worked out pretty well for the Eagles, the move they made at the trade deadline last season. So again, we see it. And you made reference with this to Thomas as well. In both these cases, really, you're talking about now because the likelihood of these players staying where they are, or at least where they've been traded to, is not high. And it seems like a high price to me. I'm just you know, being honest. Not that Golden Tate's not a good player. He is. But we're heading into week nine. He's got to be ready to play. So we, you can't assume that he's going to play an entire game week nine. So you really are getting a rental player for a portion of the season, not even half of the season, for a third-round pick. And I understand what Adam's saying about the compensatory pick. You're talking about 2020, and oh, by the way, you have no idea what, what that pick is going to be. It's not like you know the formula exactly that in terms of, of what you're going to get back in return. It seems like a high price to me. That being but, said. But right now, I mean, you've got a very competitive football team. I mean, this yeah, team just yeah. came off the Super Bowl, and right now they're struggling. And again, a little bit like uh, the Texans, you know, they're in a division that's locked up, very, very tight competition, and this could be the piece to put them over the edge, in my opinion, a little bit like uh, Ajay was last year. And the reason I say that is, is the type of receiver he is. Golden Tate is outstanding in the slot, outstanding quickness, outstanding on some of those bubble screens with the ball in his hand quickly. And right now, Carson Wentz hasn't had that type of guy and that type of threat, and in particularly on third down, a guy that's going to cause a matchup problem. I think it's a good get. And really, at this stage, third round, fourth round, again, it's just ability to to get them over the top, I think it's a good move. Uh, too high for you, Field, or no? Uh, here's the reason why I don't think it's too high. If you look at this Eagles roster construction right now and the players they have under contract for 2019 and beyond, they basically got their core locked up. Guys like Carson Wentz, obviously, that's the leader of it all, but Alshon Jeffrey and Zach Gertz and Lane Johnson and Jason Peters and Chris Long was extended and players like Fletcher Cox. So I can go on and on about all these players that are already in the mix for 2019, which means they probably weren't going to be particularly active on the free agent market, which will factor into the compensatory pick value. So I can understand sort of both sides of the coin here. And I think if you're looking at what Golden Tate brings to this offense right now, I'm not sure they dramatically lack a player that can run after the catch. I mean, Nelson Aguilar is pretty shifty after the catch. But what I wonder for Philadelphia is, first of all, Golden Tate, fantastic after the catch, is just how they align these receivers now. Golden Tate's at his best operating out of the slot. That's what he does almost exclusively. Nelson Aguilar's career got on track when he moved to the slot. So I'll be interested to see which of those two players is shifted outside and it becomes more of a either vertical threat or a perimeter threat where size and speed can really help. The Eagles got a little taste of that pie, I think, that championship field. <laughs> they, they'd like to repeat. They'd like to, yeah. like to have some more. Few are better equipped to talk about the hours leading up to the trade deadline than our Hall of Fame GM Bill Polian, who joins us now. Bill, let's start with Golden Tate. Where do you sit on this deal? I think it was a good deal. Uh, the Eagles need a player of his stature. He can run after the catch, as John said. 
He can play well in the slot. He gives you chunk plays with the ball in his hand. And a third is a slim price to pay uh, for a player who can change games. He can make chunk plays. And chunk plays is what the Eagles' passing offense is lacking. I still would have liked to have seen them, and maybe yet they'll go for a running back. That's also a glaring need. But this is a good pickup for them. And I don't worry about the price when you're going for the Super Bowl. Branch Rickey once said the only one you can win is the one you can win now. And that's what Howie Roseman's looking at. He's my favorite, Bill. You know that. Let me ask you about Demarius Thomas. He's been traded to Houston. What does he do immediately for the Texans? Well, he immediately fills a hole. He's the third best receiver on their team if they were healthy, but they're not. So they've got to, they've got to bring in receiving talent in a division that is decidedly up for grabs. There's no one separating themselves from the pack in that division. So even though Houston's won four straight, but the bottom line is that uh, with the injuries, uh, he comes in and, and it's, it, I think a fourth and a seventh is a pretty high price to play, to pay for a player of his stature. I, I think he's more reputation than he is deliverance at this point in time, but they don't have anybody better. So you make the move when you, when you, you feel like you have a chance to win. All right, Bill, we'll be back with you as the next hour or so unfolds. We do want to go now to our reporter on the ground in Houston. Report on the Texans end of this trade, Sarah Barshop. All right, we'll get All back right. to Sarah. When, when she can hear us. She looks good. Is, she, in a stance already, ready, right? She's ready. So when she can hear us, we will go back to Sarah. Uh, but again, you, you heard what Bill had to say. The only one you can win, John, is the one you can win now. And I think, if, if I'm paraphrasing, that was your point as well about the Eagles. I agree. I mean, right now, basically you're halfway point And you're right in the thick of things. And it's not how you start the race, it's how you finish. And you've got to best utilize the, the, the roster you can build now. I mean, it's a little bit like before, you know, before the final cut down. You have to do what you have to do, and this is it. This is, the, this is the, the way to acquire talent, and I think this is a big step for actually in both those cases to replace and get something they need. You know, uh, Adam talked for just a minute about Detroit, who have been in the market for Amari Cooper as well. They, of course, um, Oakland made that deal early. Amari Cooper lands in Dallas. Something to be said, Field, uh, for getting the head of the curve here, if you will, before we got into the last few days and hours. Yeah, sort of interesting, though. Doesn't it feel like of the significant prices, <coughs> Dallas is still blows everybody else out of the water, right? That you often, if you're the first person to make a move, you kind of set yeah. the table one way or the other. You set it as if this is the strongest offer that will go out there or this is the baseline and everything has to be above it. But the difference between Amari Cooper versus Golden Tate and Demarius Thomas is that the Amari Cooper trade is an obvious long-term investment for Dallas. It's for one and a half years on his current deal and presumably a long-term contract perhaps negotiated this offseason. Dallas, I'm sorry, Philadelphia with Golden Tate, it may be that he's with the team for eight more regular season games and a playoff run, and that's it. Um, And same thing with Demarius Thomas, who's due $14 million next season. But a really interesting wide receiver market so far, and we haven't even sort of scratched it. I mean, there are are potential other ripples in the next two hours and two minutes that could impact this wide receiver market going forward. The reality is this, and I've heard Bill Polian, and I'm sure he say the same thing. You're talking about age and health. I mean, at the end of the day, when you're talking about a player moving and it comes up in free agency as well, what is Omari, Omari Cooper's 24 years old? You know, every other wide receiver we've talked about is 30 or older. 
I mean, there aren't a ton of wide receivers well into their 30s that are stretching the field and giving you big plays. And so, you know, that, you know, a, a first rounder for Amari Cooper, I, I don't even think is really, I don't, I don't think you can compare it in terms of what it means for a guy that's 30 years old, I mean, or 31 years old. So, I mean, I think that they have that context as well. All right, Adam had mentioned HaHa Clinton Dix as a player who may be on the move. And as we told you before, his teammate, at least for right now, Ty Montgomery fumbled a kickoff return late against the Rams over the weekend. It cost Aaron Rodgers and his team a chance to drive down the field and do what Aaron Rodgers so often does. Reports said that Montgomery had defied his coach's instructions to simply take a knee, a notion Montgomery disputes. He kicked the return of a ball. Where was it? In the field of play. At that point in time, I stood where I always stood. I had a returnable ball. So I made a split-second decision on, I don't know if this is going to land on the goal line. So I'm not going to take a knee on the goal line at the half-yard line and take a chance at putting the, putting the game in the ref's hands. I wanted to make a play. I wasn't, I wasn't playing very much, and I wasn't able to make a play. And I was frustrated about that. Um, I don't fully understand what, what my role is right now, what I'm supposed to be doing, how I'm supposed to help this team. And it's frustrating. I don't know if, if you guys have ever been so frustrated with something that you walk into a room, you close the door, you scream, and you walk back out, and then you deal with your life, and you move on. That's what happened. Did any of that frustration lead over into your judgment of bringing Absolutely not. And that's the point that I was trying to make. All right, Tim, that's his take. Your take. I mean, listen. It was the wrong decision to take it out. To be honest with you, the, the, the Rams had actually made a mistake in terms of when they snapped the ball to kick the field goal. Mm-hmm. They should have bled the clock all the way down, kicked the field goal, and in the process of kicking that field goal, if they didn't hit the two-minute warning there, they were going to hit it at the kickoff. Okay, So, so that, that was what was going to happen. Because of when they snapped the football – not returning the ball is 100% the right play. Should have been coached on the sideline. If it wasn't, it's a mistake by the coaching staff. If it was and Montgomery decided to bring it out, then it's a mistake on his part. Is there a scenario where you can see a guy fielding the ball and he's not sure if he's completely out? 100%. That can happen. But the, the play is to let that ball go into the end zone, not have a second run off the clock, have your first down play from the 25-yard line yep. with two minutes and five seconds left and have the ability to throw the ball into the middle of the field. So there are a lot of things at play here. You know, getting into the, hey, was he told, was he not told, only they can tell you. But the truth of the matter is they made a mistake by not capitalizing on the mistake the Rams made. And you know what? At the end of the day, I don't want to say it doesn't matter. Internally, it certainly does. But at least from now going forward, you know, the the result is what it is, Coach. But how do you handle this or manage this? Because what you did see was an irate quarterback on the sideline. Well, no doubt. And really, the thing that would frustrate me the most if I'm Mike McCarthy right now is this getting aired out in the media. You know, that's a problem, mm-hmm. whether it's his teammates, whether it was coaches. And, you know, again, what you don't want is finger pointing. And right, right now, that's what you have. Uh, you know, the fact that maybe he was upset because he had to, he brought, brought out of the game. Well, there was guys playing the running back position better during that game. And, and part of that is, you know, guys getting that opportunity. So where it goes moving forward, I'm not really sure. But that's what I'd be most upset about right now is this getting aired out publicly instead of within the team. Well, it, it doesn't really serve any purpose. It certainly doesn't get you where you want to go. Uh, Green Bay, a team that may make a move today, 4 o'clock Eastern, the deadline. Rob Domoski is in Green Bay. Uh, Rob, what do you hear there? 
Well, Wendy, as they do continue to deal with the Ty Montgomery situation, there's another deal that could be in the works, as you heard Adam Schefter say, safety haha Clinton Dix could be on the move. I talked to Clinton Dix yesterday right at about 4 o'clock, and he said, I've got 24 hours, and then we can talk. When I asked him whether we'd be talking here at Lambeau Field or on the phone from another NFL city, he said, quote, I don't know. You may be surprised. Now, why would they move Clinton Dix when he's uh, playing very well, playing more like his Pro Bowl season of a couple years ago? Well, he's at the end of his contract, and the Packers have not re-signed their last two high-priced safeties, Morgan Burnett and Micah Hyde. They let them walk. So perhaps this is general manager Brian Gutekunst trying to get something for Clinton Dix when he knows he won't be bringing him back next season. All right, Rob, thank you. Well, welcome back in Adam Schefter. First, Adam, uh, the latest on HaHa Clinton Dix, who you mentioned earlier. Yeah, his name keeps coming up. The problem is it's tough to trade for safety. The demand for safeties always is not great in this league. Any teams that have been talking about it right now don't seem overly warm at this particular moment. Now, again, we've got two hours left until the 4 o'clock Eastern trade deadline to see if the Packers can get something done for HaHa Clinton Dix. Some people thought the Chiefs doesn't sound like that's a possibility right now. As for Ty Montgomery, similar situation on an expiring contract, much like Golden Tate. Now, the Eagles were willing to roll the dice to trade the third-round pick for Golden Tate. But Ty Montgomery also on an expiring contract, coming off the performance on Sunday where he brought the kickoff out of the end zone, lost the fumble, cost Aaron Rodgers a chance to try to beat the unbeaten Rams. Obviously, right now, the Green Bay Packers are seeing if they can get anything back of value for Ty Montgomery, and we'll find out whether they're able to do that by the 4 o'clock Eastern deadline. So a couple of names to watch in Green Bay. But I want to also point out here, Wendy, that we saw four names, four players dealt over the last week. We've seen two more traded today. That's six trades altogether. That's considerably more than you would get in an ordinary NFL year in previous years. Now, last year, there were about five trades up until the deadline. So we're right about that number right now, maybe a little bit more. So I know everybody's waiting for this flurry of activity, and there are a number of teams that have feelers out there, as they've described it to me, bait to see if some team is willing to bite on a player right now where a trade could be done. But we've already gotten six trades essentially in the last week, which is a lot. And there may be a couple more here before the trade deadline. And if there is, we'll certainly bring you the very latest. All right, Shafty, thank you. And as we know, the vast majority of the trades discussed are the ones you never hear about because they don't happen. You stay put. We'll be right back with you. We're just getting started. I'm pretty sure our new house might be haunted. What makes you say that? The furniture is levitating. Oh, and the ghost. Welcome home. Yeah, that's that's spooky. You know what's really scary? Missing out on GEICO for help with homeowners and renters insurance. GEICO makes it easy to save a bunch. Great. Uh, you're not sticking around, right? The party's just getting started. <laughs> Happy geico Call today and see how easy homeowners and renters insurance can be. Welcome back to NFL Live. Six trades and counting over the past two weeks as we now find ourselves less than two hours to go until the NFL's trade deadline. Uh, What we've seen this afternoon so far, Demarius Thomas, as rumored, on the move. He heads to Houston. Ironically enough, his first game in a Texans uniform will come against his former team. That game Sunday at 4.05 at Denver. The Broncos will hold a press conference at 2.30 Eastern, at which time you will hear from John Elway on that decision. Also on the move, a win-now decision. Clearly, Golden Tate leaving the Motor City. He is no longer with the Detroit Lions, but instead joins the defending Super Bowl champions. He has been traded to the Philadelphia Eagles in uh, 
for in exchange for a third-round pick. Uh, the other team in Pennsylvania, actually first Carson Wentz, you've heard of him, quarterback of the Eagles. Let's roll, my man, clearly directed at Golden Tate. Excited to compete with you. Uh, clearly glad to get an additional weapon in the arrival of Golden Tate, uh, who also said, you know what, Detroit, it's been real, but Philly, here I come. So uh, let the trades continue. The other team, here we go, now in, in Pennsylvania, unclear when Le'Veon Bell will rejoin the Steelers. He has yet to sign his franchise tender. That means he cannot be traded before today's 4 o'clock Eastern deadline. No player, then, can be traded after the deadline has passed, which is why we speculated perhaps he's waiting until after today's deadline to check back in with the Steelers. We check back in with the man who's been there from start to eventual finish, Jeremy Fowler. Eventually, I think. What can you tell us? <laughs> I think so, too, Wendy. Eventually is a loose word, as we know. But there's been minimal trade buzz on Le'Veon Bell's situation. Barring an unforeseen development in the next few hours, he will remain a Pittsburgh Steeler in 2018. And as you outlined, a player who has no contract, who has not signed, cannot be traded. So the Steelers would have to come to him with a potential team that he would approve of. Then he would have to come in, take his physical, sign his tender, and be off to his new team. All of that would have to happen in very short order. So unless Bell Breezes past us in the camera right now. That's probably not going to happen. And a source I spoke to in the building was resigned to that fate and open to Bell playing 2018 here. That source said, if Bell comes, plays well, everybody's happy. And that's what Bell wants, too. He told me earlier this month he does not want to be traded, doesn't expect so, and wants to remain a Steeler long term. Now, it is business as usual here at Steelers headquarters, where Coach Mike Tomlin was animated at his press conference when asked if Bell is going to show this week. He he basically shut off the question and said, any other questions? He's clearly tired of talking about Bell. But as for the trade deadline, Tomlin said he expects the phone to ring. We'll see what happens, he says. But he did add the Steelers don't give up draft picks very often this time of year because they value homegrown talent. Well, they've done a good job with that. Jeremy, thank you. And, and you know what? Why don't we hear from Mike Tomlin? This is exactly what Jeremy's talking about. Here is Tomlin a few minutes ago. Do you, do you expect uh, Le'Veon Bell back this week? Any other questions? <laughs> Y'all have a good evening. Listen, that's a, it's a walk-off. It is a walk-off. I understand his frustration. You have to understand the question as well. It's just a, you know, it's a tiring situation. Uh, I don't know what to it. As crazy as this has been, by the way, I wouldn't be surprised to see Bell sort of waltz past Jeremy Fowler. <laughs> I, I, I think, you know, at this point, that's par for the course field. Uh, but again, it, it seems like a trade involving Le'Veon Bell at this point nearly impossible, I, I would think. Well, in, in order to execute that trade, he would he have to, to sign, sign that franchise tender and the team would have to then trade him in the next one hour and 47 or 8 minutes. So you can basically push a Le'Veon Bell trade out the door. And I think what we got to the point here, Wendy, is this. is Early on in the season, we were asking, what are the Steelers' expectations about how Le'Veon Bell is going to handle his current situation? When will Le'Veon Bell return to the Steelers based off what they are thinking? It's become increasingly clear. One person and one person only has any idea of what Le'Veon Bell wants to do right now. That's Le'Veon Bell. And that could change in his own mind in the next hour, week, month. Who I think knows? we've seen it change. We have seen that the, the timeline has been incredibly fluid and dynamic. So the Steelers, and I know that people interpret this, is that just coach speak? That's just, you know, rallying the troops together. But they are probably bound to the fact that 
James Conner's our guy, and we're going to plan on having James Conner as our guy going forward. And, oh, by the way, he's playing unbelievably. He's been one of the best running backs in football this year. I'm not saying they're worse for the wear um, with Le'Veon Bell in the field. But for now, they're in a very good spot. Like, this is a high society running back problem the Steelers have on their hands right now as it pertains to on-the-field matters. So for now, if they get Le'Veon Bell, that's gravy. That's gravy because they have been awesome on the ground with James Conner. You certainly cannot complain about his production. Bill Polian back with us. Bill, uh, someone who's dealt with somewhat similar situations, how do you handle this in the front office at this point? Well, at this point, the die really is cast. Uh, James Conner, as has been mentioned, has played tremendously well. The Steelers drafted him for just this situation. That's why they made the pick, and he's done extremely well. Now, if Le'Veon Bell comes in, uh, the question then is, does he come in all in or does he come in just to pick up a paycheck? That's what the Steelers front office and perhaps Mike Tomlin is worried about. Do they get 100% of Le'Veon Bell or do they get a Le'Veon Bell that's protecting himself and ready to go to the free agent market? That's where the problem lies in the future. James Conner is the answer right now and probably barring injury and please God, given his uh, situation uh, and what he's beaten already, uh, injury never comes into play. He'll be the guy for the foreseeable future. But the question is, which Le'Veon Bell do they get? The Le'Veon Bell that we've come to know and get excited about and want to see play or a Le'Veon Bell that's less than uh, invested? Bill, thank you. And that's that's the great caveat, right? We just don't know. No one really knows that. Uh, Other news out of Pittsburgh, an injury to the quarterback, Ben Roethlisberger. Mike Tomlin did answer a question about that. Ben uh, had a fractured index finger on his left hand. Um, You know, it didn't prohibit him from being effective in the second half of the game. But obviously we'll we'll look at it um, in terms of his availability this week and how it might affect him in a practice setting and so forth. Not anticipating it uh, being an issue for him in play uh, or in game, uh, but I did talk about it after. I wanted to give you guys an update. Well, it is his left hand, Tim, as a former quarterback. How, how does that affect or not affect his play? Yeah, I think the things it does, it doesn't, shouldn't affect you taking a snap. When you take a snap as a right-handed quarterback, the ball hits your right hand. I mean, that's that's what it is. You secure it with your left hand. Um, I think the things that would be an issue for Ben would be handing off on plays running to the right because you hand off with your left hand. A lot of times, you know, a back, if he's excited, to kind of clamp down on the football and, and take your hand with it uh, at times. Um, and I think the other aspect of it would be we know Ben makes a lot of plays, you know, kind of moving outside the pocket or kind of fighting inside the pocket to extend plays. And so then ball security becomes an issue. As you're in the pocket and you want to secure the ball with two hands, you know, as, as guys swipe at the football, you know, having a broken index finger obviously doesn't help you, uh, you know, end up protecting the football. So, I think that's the issue there. I, I want to hop back in on Le'Veon Bell for a second in Please. terms of the 100% in. Le'Veon's already let us know where right. he is on this. That, that Le'Veon is, a is not 100% point. in. Le'Veon Bell has basically given up a million dollars a week. He's, he's to, all in on something. To protect him. Le'Veon is all in on being healthy when he, when he hits free agency. That is what he is all in on. Make no mistake about it. You don't give up the money that he has given up to be all in on anything other than being healthy when you are due for a long-term contract. That, that, that's what he's done. So, I, you know, I, whenever he comes, I mean, he, and he's going to need to come to secure six weeks. Well, 
Well, now one thing's for sure. If he wants the Pittsburgh Steelers to be part of that free agency at the end of this season, he better be all in. I can yeah, speak yeah, to that man, about yeah. that organization. And everybody will be looking at how this rolls. Correct. Yes. I mean, it, it's just hard to foresee. I think he's cost himself his, money. Yeah. yeah, his future there, but, you, you know. You, in the long term. Yeah. In the long term, yes. yes but I, I guess you never know. We continue to make our way towards today's 4 o'clock Eastern trade, line, day, trade deadline, about an hour and a half and change to go before no player can be traded. Amidst rumors he may be on the move, it was tough sledding for LaShawn McCoy running the ball last night against the New England Patriots. The final tally, at least in terms of rushing, 12 carries, 13 yards. Here's Shady on his frustrations. I've had a bad game for just, just the oldest flow, season, everything is bad. What are, what's our record? Um, it's too insane. Yeah, it's bad. The hard work we put in, the hard work I've put in my whole life, you know, my career, and, you know what I'm saying, for it to happen like this, you know, every game is, it's tough. Do you see the defense out there just grinding? On offense, we're not really doing well at all. Um, a lot of small mental mistakes, tons of penalties. We got 200. Yards. Yeah. And it's game with seven, eight. Is that right? We game, was it game eight? No, that's, that's never happened with me. Well, without welcome in our Bills reporter, Mike Rodak. And Mike, LaShawn was clearly frustrated. He was emotional after the loss. That happens. But what do you hear regarding a trade involving McCoy? Well, Wendy, I talked to McCoy after the game, and I asked him how much this trade deadline was weighing on his mind. And he simply said, who knows, man? And indeed, it's very tough to tell with this current regime in Buffalo. Brandon Bean, the GM, has been here for two years, and you really have to expect the unexpected, even though it might be quiet right now on the McCoy front. I remember early in the afternoon of the trade deadline day last year, Bean told us don't expect a trade today. Well, around 3.30 that day is when the Kelvin Benjamin trade started to come together with the Panthers. Bean has made 12 trades involving players over his first 18 months as Bill's GM. A lot of them have been higher-priced players acquired by a previous regime. McCoy fits into that category, and you can really question whether his salary is justified by his production. Of the 32 running backs across the NFL who have at least 200 carries since the start of last season, McCoy ranks 28th in yards per carry. As we await for John Elway, uh, who will talk about, again, this decision. But, Shefty, uh, how did it get done? Wendy, what happened here was the Denver Broncos have been looking for a couple of weeks to move on from Demarius Thomas. And one of the reasons they were looking to move on is he's scheduled to make $14 million next season. They were not going to pay him that $14 million next season, not with some of the young wide receivers that they have and the talent that they've demonstrated this season. And so with that in mind, they began efforts to conduct a trade here and the Houston Texans last Thursday night lost Will Fuller to a torn ACL a season ending injury so the Broncos spoke to the Texans they spoke to the Philadelphia Eagles who were also looking for a wide receiver at this point in time they spoke to a couple of other teams but really the Texans were the ones that jumped out and as of Monday night those two sides had the framework of a deal in place that was completed this afternoon where the Broncos sent Thomas and a seventh-round pick to Houston 
for a fourth round pick and a seventh round pick. So the Broncos basically improve their position in the seventh round of the draft. They get back an additional fourth. They shed $4 million of payroll this year, $14 million of payroll for next year. And the Houston Texans come up with a wide receiver that they can insert into the spot that Will Fuller had while they're in first place in the AFC South, a trade that worked out for both teams. If Will Fuller had not been injured, it would have been interesting to see if Denver could have dealt Demarius Thomas, but the sense all along has been that Denver was looking to move on from him and had found an active suitor in the Houston Texans. Thank you, Shefty. It's interesting you say that because I think the question I have is if you're the Texans coach and you see Will Fuller go down and you know it's a long-term injury, do you start thinking immediately about a move like this? I think definitely, especially for where they are right now in their division. You know, let's not forget this team started 0-3. And then all of a sudden now Deshaun Watson, he's starting to look like his old self. And that football team is, you know, has got as good a chance as anybody, you know, to get into the playoffs and make some noise. they got a good defense that's improving. And losing Will Fuller was killer. And it was, you know, kind of on a meaningless-looking play. And I think getting a guy like Demarius Thomas, uh, getting him injected. Demarius is a smart guy, a veteran player that should be able to, you know, learn the system quick enough and help, help make them make that push. I think the interesting thing there, too, is you look at Kiki Cutie, who's done a really good job for them playing inside. Coach brought up Wes Welker earlier. Think about Wes. Wes, you know, kind of in the history of this league, has been one of the better slot wide receivers that, that's ever played. And so I think when you, um, you know, look at his development playing inside, having Hopkins outside, now having Demarius Thomas outside, you can keep this young kind of ascending player playing in that role. And, oh, by the way, he's being coached by somebody who played that spot very well. So um, I, I think that probably also, have, you know, rather than elevating him to, to kind of a role that maybe you didn't think he was suited for, keeping him where he is also was a good thing. Is there a learning curve here? Or as Coach Reverence, he's a veteran player. He knows what he's doing. Can he step right in? Yes, interesting. The Broncos have already announced they're going to honor Demarius Thomas this Sunday. That will include a thank you banner and some other uh, nice ways to pay you know homage to a guy that's been a really good player for them for what, nine seasons now. But we don't even know if he'll play on Sunday. One would figure that with three full practices in Houston, provided he gets there in time, uh, takes a physical by tomorrow morning, that Demarius should be somewhat up to speed. Uh, but we'll see whether he plays. But I think Tim's point's really well taken. It's allow Kiki Cutie to develop as normally and go all in, or semi-all-in with Demarius Thomas. We continue to make our way to today's 4 o'clock Eastern trade deadline. Bill Polian back with us. And, Bill, uh, without being specific because every team is different, what's going on in front offices around the league as you got 90 minutes or so until that deadline passes? Well, we're starting to race the clock right now because uh, 3.30 is really the procedural deadline to get things done because you have to make sure that the paperwork is in. You have to make sure that the cap considerations are handled. So you're starting to race the clock now. Teams that are desperate to sell somebody are questioning whether or not their price is too high. People who are in the market to buy are questioning whether or not they want to pay the price. And uh, we're really now down to card cutting time. This is when the rubber meets the road. Bill, let me ask you this. How do you guard against change for change's sake? Sometimes you want to make a move so badly, it's not looking good, it won't work out, and you, and, and you could get reckless. How do you guard against that? Well, you just uh, you, you say in your preparation, which all began last week, that you're not going to do that. And no matter how hard someone may push ownership, marketing, coaching, it doesn't matter. As a GM, you have to say we're not throwing good money after bad. We're not going to chase 
uh, a deal just to make a deal. You have to be firm and resolute and, and understand that you have to get value. And, you, and, and the likelihood is that, that the odds of the guy helping your team if you're acquiring him are, are a little higher than 50-50, but not much. So you have to know who you want. You have to know what the price you, you're willing to pay is. And you have to be resolute about it over the next 45 or so minutes. If Bill Polian says don't do it, you don't do it, Bill. That's, that's what we say around here, too, by the way. Uh, no doubt about that. Again, just about 90 minutes or probably less so now, an hour and 20 and change uh, until today's trade deadline. We've seen about six trades, I believe, over the course of the last 14 days or so. There's still time. We may or may not see any additional activity. But you know what? Uh, it never hurts to speculate, Field. That's what we do sometimes, conjecture. Uh, what are some trades you'd like to see, whether they're likely or not? Earlier in the show, we discussed LaShawn McCoy, who said last night, I'm not sure if I'm going to be traded, but wouldn't you love to see LaShawn McCoy on an offense that could release a dynamic back like the Green Bay Packers? They got some really good production from Aaron Jones on Sunday against the Los Angeles Rams, but we know that Mike McCarthy has perhaps been infamously reticent to use Aaron Jones in a work share or work uh, horse role. I think maybe we forget how good LaShawn McCoy is because of how – I would just say dismal. The offensive line is in yeah. Buffalo right now. That will be a fun one for me. It's not going to happen. But wouldn't Tyrod Taylor to the, to the Jacksonville Jaguars alleviate some of the concerns we're having right now? Tyrod Taylor. That's like, a good opportunity for Tyrod Taylor, which I think we'd all like to see. And I know it's unlikely, if not, you know, unfathomable right now. But what the Jaguars are looking for on offense is to run the heck out of the football, beat you up up front with the offensive line, and not turn the football over. That's Tyrod Taylor right there. And, of course, they want to play great defense, too. That will be one. And then, you know, I do believe that the Cardinals with Dayon Buchanan and Hassan Reddick, Reddick, a linebacker by trade, Buchanan, a sort of hybrid linebacker slash safety, players that maybe of late have seen a bit more playing time, but earlier on in the year were non-factors in this defense, and both of them were former first-round picks. Guys to keep an eye on. All right, fair enough. A guy no longer uh, needed to keep an eye on, Demarius Thomas. We know he's headed to Houston. Here's John Elway on that decision. And, uh, the goal was that, you know, it was we were not hell-bent on, on trading Demarius. If the value was there, then we felt the value was there. We felt that uh, it could help us that way as far as the draft next year and and that we thought that with the young guys behind him that we could make up for the for the space that, uh, you know, he would, he would leave. And so, um, you know, we got the value that we thought was fair, and uh, that was the most important thing. So, you know, I think that uh, it's never easy when you trade a guy that's been a household name here for a long time and done a lot of great things, not only on the football field, but uh, but also in the community and, you know, as a good man. So, uh, plus it's a good spot for Demarius. You know, they're going to a good football team, and that's an independent race where he's going. And so, uh, you know, it'll be it'll be good for him, too. We had uh, probably three or four teams. Yeah. Was there a pause at, uh, you know, you're playing the Texans this Sunday? Yeah. I thought about it, yeah. I mean, obviously. Um, but, you know, I think that ultimately we had to look past that and, and uh, you know, thought that, uh, you know, it wouldn't affect our game and affect the, the outcome of the game that we felt that we could make that move and send him to Texas. Or he didn't have you guys, sorry, at this point you guys got making moves? Uh, at this point, yeah. But uh, you, you never know. But at this point in time, we are, yeah. How much does this deal give Cortland a chance and how impressive he's been so far with him? Yeah, I mean, I think that uh, 
they've all, you know, Cortland's played very, very well, and, and uh, Tim Patrick played very well last week, and so, you know, and Emmanuel's obviously playing very well too, and so, um, you know, we thought that, uh, you know, this would give Cortland a chance to get out there, play more, and, and become a bigger part of it because we think he's ready to go, and, you know, he's played well up to this point in time, so hopefully this accelerates his maturity. You've used the line often when now and when from now on. It's more about winning from, for now on. From now on, rather. No, because I don't think I don't. You know, obviously, when you lose a guy like, like Demarius, that uh, you, you know we're going to lose a little bit. But I think that what we're, where we can make it up is with the youth and the young guys and getting them experience. And and uh, you know, as as this year you know continues to go, so um, I didn't think that it eliminated our ability to compete and and uh, hopefully get it. You know, have a better second half than we've had and uh, in the first half and. And win some football games, but uh, I didn't think that that was going to impede it by making this move, and it also gave us some value that uh, you know we we thought was important. He's been a big contributor for a long time, well liked in that locker room. How do you think the team will react? Well, it's you know you never know. I think that uh, you know I think that they'll look at the guys behind him, and they'll hopefully the young guys step up, and I think that's what's most important. And, and uh, you know personally, I think that the young guys are ready to step up behind him and, and fill that void, and and. Uh, so with that, with that, as well as the value that we got, we just thought that, uh, you know, it was important to make the move. John, when you trade your longest tenured player, does it feel like the end of something or more the beginning of something? Well, I mean, I think that, you know, any time, like I said, with, with you know, how Demarius has carried himself since he's been here, I think it's always, you know, it, it, it's an end for, you know, for him and us, I think. But it's not a, you know, because I think as I told him, um, you know, he'll, he'll always be a Bronco, you know, and so um, it ends his career here, but uh, not his career in the NFL and, and, uh, and know that, look at it as the fact that, uh, you know, eventually the Broncos will be reunited with Demarius. What was that conversation like that you had with him letting him know? I mean, it was hard. I mean, it's always hard. And I think that, uh, you know, I, and, and, and I, you know, I told him too, I said, I know it's hard with everything that he was hearing out there, you know, and, you know, th- those type things are obviously very impossible to keep quiet. And, and uh, you know, unless something comes to fruition, I usually don't ever talk about them just because the fact is, you know, uh, a lot of times they're just rumors. And so, you know, we can't control that. And I told him that we did the best we could to try to, you know, take care of him as well as take care of the Broncos. And, and uh, you know, but, you know, he was, uh, you know, obviously – I wouldn't say surprised, but I think that, you know, any time you're somewhere, and I can only imagine never having never been traded, but imagine that, you know, that there's a lot of unknown out there for him now going to a new spot, but I'm sure he'll, he'll uh, fit right in. When you look back on his career as a Bronco, what will stand out to you? You know, I think that uh, he, he made so many big plays. Obviously, the Pittsburgh one is the biggest one, I think, that stands out that we, we all remember. But, uh, you know, he was a guy that was very very productive and consistent for a long, long time and, and uh, you know, was with health, healthy most of, most of the time, too. And so, uh, you know, a guy that we could rely on. John, uh, while we got you there, you know, on top of you, the trust and uh, – Bill Bolin filing a lawsuit. Um, what did you think of that? Do you have any concerns about the, uh, you know, stability at the top of the 
franchise? No, I, I don't. I, like I said, we, and we've talked about this earlier, and you asked me about that. I think that uh, you know that'll work its way out. You know, I will say this: that uh, in my opinion, and having worked with Joe, he's he's been that pillar for us, and, and uh, you know, so you know that's still above our level, and we still have to concentrate on doing the best we can as far as trying to you know get back on track and win some football games, and and uh, you know we look at that as it it will handle itself, and. Uh, but I just know in the long run that eventually, no matter what happens, I think we'll, we're still going to be fine. How, however, whatever way that goes, um, you know, I think that, uh, you know, the franchise is in good shape. Well, in the you can't script it category, the Texans will face the Broncos. They'll travel to Denver on Sunday. The Broncos have said they will honor Demarius Thomas, complete with a thank you banner, and he'll be recognized. Uh, but you heard John Elway say, Coach, they weren't hell bent on trading Demarius Thomas. Uh, they found they, they thought if they found a good value, something that could benefit this team, now they would do it. Uh, do you agree that that's where they landed? Yeah, I do. I think you know, anytime you make a trade, you have to feel like you're going to be able to weather it in most cases. Uh, even going all the way back you know, to what the Raiders did. I mean, they're not going to figure out whether that was a good trade or not until down the road. Uh, same thing here. I think both teams ended up pretty well. I think you know, Houston had a d- definite need. I mean, they don't, they don't lose Will Fuller for the season. They're not even in this trade talk. So, you know, again, it's hard saying goodbyes. All those things are. This is uh, a tough business that way. But Demarius did uh, good for himself there. They're going to give him a good uh, send-off. And, shoot, he gets to show back up next weekend. So. <laughs> yeah, don't worry. Don't, don't, you can't, we can't miss you if you don't leave. Yeah. And I think what John Elway saying about their current roster makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Sutton has been very good. He yeah. mentioned Tim Patrick as well, who has played some valuable snaps for them. And then you just look at the division. Obviously, the Chiefs are running away with the division. The Chargers are a very Chargers good football team. It just doesn't appear like this is an ascending team right now. And so um, I, I think in terms of the way that roster is currently laid out, it does make sense for, in the way this, their season has gone. It does make sense for them to get a good look at some of their young guys. And I would just like to add, obviously it was not hard for – Elway to remember that he was actually traded from the uh, by the Colts. So hard which to say goodbye. Which is funny because he said I wouldn't know because yeah, I wasn't never traded. Been traded. I don't think he really got locked in in Baltimore. Yeah, no, 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 yeah. it was no. a pretty quick deal there. He didn't spend a lot of time there. <laughs> so we won't. We, it doesn't count. Field. You know, interesting. Adam said earlier on the show that one of the primary you know motivations for the Broncos is to get that four million dollars in cap. And don't forget. Cash savings, too. Owners don't mind when they can save a little bit of cash if it also maybe potentially helps elevate the role of a young player. Uh, as Tim just mentioned, Cortland Sutton, all eyes go on to him right now. And I'm not saying that the difference between the Broncos staying competitive or not tanking but going a different direction is Demarius Thomas. But you sort of wonder if this is a ceremonial move that represents that we need to start thinking towards the future. We need to start thinking about 2019 and beyond, whether the entire roster goes under evaluation. You've got cornerstones like Von Miller and Chris Harris and you know some of the young pieces they have on this roster, but you wonder what kind of evaluation we might see from the Broncos further down the line this season to look towards next season and well, beyond. John Elway said it himself in regards to Cortland Sutton. We also hope this move will accelerate his his development yeah. will give him the opportunity to continue ascending. Uh, Adam Schefter, we've seen two notable trades today. We are just over an hour now until the deadline. What else is out there? Well, Wendy, let's bring you the latest buzz right now that's going on around the league. The Jacksonville Jaguars are listening to offers for their former first-round draft pick Dante Fowler right now, and there are a number of teams that are interested in him. It sounds like a trade is possible by the 4 o'clock deadline. The Packers are listening in 
for Ty Montgomery, who brought the kickoff out of the end zone on Sunday. And obviously, right now, if they could get a deal worked out for him, they would be willing to do that. There's been a lot of speculation about the New York Giants and whether they would be willing to move on from Landon Collins, Olivier Vernon, Janoris Jenkins. Quiet right now on the eastern seaboard regarding the New York Giants. And news fresh out of Seattle. Moments ago, the Seattle Seahawks released wide receiver Brandon Marshall. So there's a little bit of a news flash for you right there. The Seahawks just released Brandon Marshall. The Lions restructured the contract of Marvin Jones, freeing up $2.2 million. So there's a flurry of activity here. We'll bring you the very latest as it winds down to the 4 o'clock trade deadline. Jordan Renan joins us now. He's with the Giants, as he always is. And we've seen the G-men, Jordan, be quite active uh, in the past few weeks. Are we done? Do you anticipate anything additional in the next hour or so? Yeah, we already saw the moves earlier last week, right, Eli Apple, Damon Harrison. And there has been thought that the Giants are close to done yet, but it appears that they are close. I got a text recently from someone around the league said that the belief is that the Giants' fire sale is over. The one guy that may still be available and still get moved, although it's probably a long shot at this point, is Janaris Jenkins, the cornerback. He's made a pro ball with the Giants. Money is a factor there. And I asked some people around the league what they thought his value was. They said probably around a fourth round. Giants do something, that's around where the compensation would be. But right now with the Giants, it seems like their major moves were done last week. Damon Harrison and Eli Apple. I mean, teams have called about Landon Collins. Teams have called about Odell Beckham Jr. to see where that is. Those aren't happening. It doesn't appear likely. One team that you might want to keep an eye out, especially when it comes with Jenkins and the Giants defensive backs, is the Kansas City Chiefs. They have been snooping around over the last few days. Jordan, thank you. At 1-7, and seven, the Giants clearly looking toward the future. And, and, Tim, I thought you made an excellent point earlier worth repeating that uh, probably a little bit of a missed assessment here of where they were, what their own roster looked like, and, and what they were prepared for in 2018. Yeah, I mean, look, they, they drafted a running back to think that uh, was going to help their offense. They, they made their left tackle the highest-paid left tackle in the game at the time. They signed him thinking that Eli Manning had a couple, you know, a few good years left. I remember Dave Gettleman talking about, hey, Eli Manning was, you know, the one we saw in the Philadelphia game referring to the 2017 game against the Eagles. And it just, that hasn't been the case. I mean, it's a, look, we do the power rankings a lot of times on, on Tuesdays. Tuesdays, yeah. And they are, I don't know, 28th or, or yeah. lower. I, it's yeah. a bad football team right and, now. And not going so, in the right direction no, either. No, of course not. Bad. And so, so that's surprising. I, listen, I, we've also touched on it, just coming off of what Jordan is saying there. Janoris Jenkins is under contract for this year and then two years after that at numbers that aren't absurd based on how he's played. Fourth-round compensation for Janoris Jenkins, to me, I would think that someone would be willing to pay that. I think if you're the Giants, you need to be busy over the next hour right now, right? I mean, it makes all the sense in the world. You've come this far, you might as well. Yeah, hour and two minutes. You need to be as busy as anybody in a league where passing numbers are skyrocketing. Players like Janoris Jenkins, who can play man coverage, and he has some Jekyll and Hyde to him, right? You've got to take the good with the incurred risks there. But a player that should have some value in this league, and Jordan mentioned the Kansas City Chiefs, unbelievably bad in terms of statistics defensively against the pass. Maybe they kick the tires on Janoris Jenkins. Jenkins. That was definitely, I mean, that's exactly what the doctor ordered for Kansas City Chiefs. It'd make a real push. I mean, these guys are having, you know, a light you up season. 
a good cover guy would be really, really good for him. Well, you heard Jordan Renan say that the belief, or at least a source telling him, that the fire sale with the New York Giants is over, but you never know. We have an hour to go. We can't leave you now. 4 o'clock Eastern, the trade deadline. So come on with us. A Sports Center special recapping and looking ahead starts right about now. Breaking news. Breaking news. We've seen a lot of moves in the past few days. Gordon on the move. The Raiders send Khalil Mack to the Chicago Bears. We made the trade. Headline grabbing move. This is a move that's been brewing for a while. Hopefully we prove that uh, in the long term we did the right thing. And the Raiders now have three mm. first round draft picks in 2019. The offers are going to get good. Uh, holy cow is my, uh, was my reaction. This is a win-now move when you make a trade like that. We may see a lot of activity. Adam Schefter, is he's got like 10 phones working right now. <laughs> you've got Landon Collins. You've got Janoris Jenkins. You've got Olivier Vernon. The Giants already have shown that they're willing to trade anybody. Demarius Thomas is still sitting out there. If you're the Buffalo Bills, do you want to go trade LaShawn McCoy? It's day 57 of Bell Watch, but who's counting, right? So we may see another four, five, six trades before the trade deadline again this year. Well, under an hour to go now. Welcome inside our Sports Center special as we count down quite literally until today's 4 o'clock Eastern NFL trade deadline. Glad to have you with us. I'm Wendy Nix, Field Yates, Coach John Fox, Tim Hasselbeck, and we have seen activity today. The first notable trade this afternoon came when the Broncos parted ways with Demarius Thomas, sending Thomas to the Houston Texans along with a Seventh round pick, a yeah, right. Seventh round pick, yep. a fourth and a seventh. Come back to Denver. Ironically, these two teams will face each other in Denver on Sunday. Here's John Elway on the decision. We're going to lose a little bit, but I think that what we're, where we can make it up is with the youth and the young guys and getting them experience. And and uh, you know, as as this year you know continues to go, so um, I didn't think that it eliminated our ability to compete and and uh, hopefully get it you know have a better second half than we've had and uh, at the first half and and win some football games but uh, I didn't think that that was going to impede it by making this move and it also gave us some value that uh, you know we, we thought was important We'll go on the ground now to Denver where we check in with our Broncos reporter Jeff Legwald who's spoken with Demarius Thomas Jeff what do you have to say Uh Wendy, I've not spoken with him today, but yesterday he was uh, – I've tried to reach out today, but yesterday he was almost resigned to the fact that he felt like uh, a trade would be made. And then uh, John Elway just finished here at the uh, Broncos complex, and he characterized his discussions with Demarius this morning as, as hard, really hard, is how he, how he phrased it. So uh, this is no small move. You know, Elway was asked, what will this be – how will this be taken in the locker room? And his response was, you never know. So he knows that uh, they have moved a respected, tenured player who was still performing at a at a pretty high level. And, uh, you know, it's just something they're going to have to deal with, especially Vince Joseph and the coaching staff moving forward. Uh, they will also have to adjust about a five-story high banner on the side of the stadium. There's one of Demarius and one of Von Miller, uh, they say the plans are to put a thank you on the banner and just leave it for this weekend's games.
All right, Jeff, thank you. We'll go now for the Houston perspective. Here's our Texans reporter, Sarah Barshop. Well, Wendy, this was a move the Texans had to make. They lost Will Fuller on Thursday night against the Dolphins when he tore his ACL. And that dramatically changed the circumstances surrounding what the Cerise needs to do at the deadline. Before this, they weren't really in the discussion for a wide receiver. But after losing their number two receiver, they knew that going to this game against Denver, they didn't really have many healthy pass catching options. So by adding Thomas, they give some much needed depth. Now I talked to a Texans player who said, he's very explosive and you have to respect him. To me, that's really important because when DeAndre Hopkins is on the field and there's no one else stretching the field or helping him out, teams are keying in on Hopkins. Now this trade to Thomas allows them to do the opposite. And it was a bonus for general manager Brian Gain and head coach Bill O'Brien to do this without giving up huge draft capital because the Texans had it, but they're going to have some needs after this season and they didn't have to give up a third round pick like the Lions received for Golden Tate. All right, Sarah, Jeff, thank you. Let, let's just start with Houston since they're on the receiving end of this trade. Coach, it, you know, finish this sentence. By adding Demarius Thomas, the Houston Texans do what? Well, I think they replace Will Fuller in both the deep speed and where they've gained some is Demarius Thomas is a very big, strong, physical player. I mean, he can catch things, go back inside. Uh, he's big, tall for the red area. He's a little different, probably not as much deep speed as Will Fuller currently has, but Demario still has that with the added dimension of big catch radius and a big physical pass catcher, which I know Deshaun Watson will like, and he catches the ball in tight spaces. We'll hear from both of you in just a minute, but first let's get some reaction from one of Thomas's teammates. Here's what Emmanuel Sanders had to say. I've been playing with this guy for five years. Uh, I went last night, I, I kind of figured it was going to happen, so I went over and hung out with him, and uh, it's going to be weird. You know, uh, he's been in the locker room ever since I got out here. Um, so I'm not happy about that, but at the same time, it's part of the business, and I understand that, you know, the Broncos got to do what's best for the Broncos. So I guess, you know, now it's, it's, it's my turn to, you know, be the number one wide receiver for the Denver, Bron- Denver Broncos, and, you know, I accept the challenge. Well, you heard John Elway say it as well. How will this be received? You never know. It's a change. This is a veteran player, a tenured player. Uh, but again, I think players to a degree understand feel this is a business. They understand it, including Demarius Thomas, who over the past couple of days said, I think it's 50-50 that I could be traded. So there's no mystery that the Denver Broncos have been shopping Demarius Thomas for a few days. And I'd imagine that Emmanuel Sanders and Cortland Sutton and Sutton and Case Keenum and other Broncos offensive players have been bracing for this moment. Now, that does not mean that they don't have a little bit of sticker shock right now. I mean, Demarius Thomas and, and Coach Fox can confirm this has been a team captain for multiple years in Denver, one of the most respected players on that roster. So when you lose that kind of presence, certainly it means something. The only active player in the NFL was six straight years of 75 or more catches, a lot of productivity, but they get it. And Cortland Sutton going up and making contested catches and vertical shot plays down the field like we saw against Kansas City, that kind of offsets us a little bit. It softens the blow, if you will, on the field. But for Demarius Thomas, like... Nothing but endless pride for him and what he accomplished in Denver. And for Houston, a team that has won five straight, has a two-game lead in the division, it's a totally sensible move right now. You cannot stay in pat with the current weapons they had in place. Well, Elway also said he, he told Demarius, this will be good for you as well. I mean, yep. presumably that's the case. <laughs> but what else are you going to say, really? These two teams play each other on Sunday. The Broncos say they'll give Demarius a, a big thank you. In terms of the Broncos, they also hope 
it allows them to evaluate Tim some of their younger talent, Cortland Sutton, Chitipa among them, mm -hmm. and gives him some additional opportunity. They've been playing anyway. I mean, they've yeah. been playing with Demarius on the roster, and so now it gives them an opportunity to play more. And you know, Emmanuel Sanders saying, "Well, now it gives me the, you know the chance to be the number one guy." He's been the number one guy this year. I mean, he's he's been far and away Case Keenum's favorite target. Um, so I think. You know, listen, if there's a player that's, that's not upset about it, it maybe is Emmanuel Sanders in that he truly is the featured guy at, at the wide receiver position for the Broncos. Uh, look, I, I, I think the thing that has stuck out to me, not knowing him personally and hearing Coach talk about him, hearing John Elway talk about him, very few times you, are you, you admit that you're concerned about how this plays in the locker room. I mean, I, I do think that... There is something to that. You know, we sit here, we talk about contracts, we talk about where they fit, do they help the team, that type of thing. You've got to remember, relationships are formed, you know, and, and a lot of these guys end up being close. And if it's somebody that is really well-respected in terms of being a good player, how he approaches it, how he treats the other people in the building, it can have a really bad effect on your football team, your entire team, especially going forward. So to trade away a guy that's a captain and well-respected is not always a really good thing to do. All right, we saw four trades uh, in the weeks or days leading up to today. We've seen two today, Demarius Thomas, the first, and then this, Golden Tate departs Detroit. He leaves the Motor City and instead heads to the Philadelphia Eagles. He becomes an additional weapon for Carson Wentz. The, Giants trade, I mean, the Lions, I should say, trading Tate to the Eagles. We're joined now by our Hall of Fame GM, Bill Foley, and Bill, uh, when you look at the back and forth of this Golden Tate decision, what's your take? Well, it's really interesting. Let's look at it from the Eagles' point of view. The only one you can win is the one you can win now. They needed another receiver who, and another player who can provide chunk yardage in their offense. They're not getting the chunk yardage from the running game because of the injuries. They needed a, 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 a player who could provide that. Golden Tate absolutely can He's a rental. A third is a high price to pay for a potential rental player because he's coming to free agency at the end of this season. But when you're in the hunt to win a world championship, as they are, and you have the weapons that they have, it is much, much better off to pay the price than regret having paid it and, and not help your football team. From Detroit's perspective, it's interesting. They, it looks like, are unwilling to pay a little receiver. Golden Tate is not big and strong and tall and fast the way some of the Patriot receivers are. And this is a Patriot blueprint, no question about it. They traded for Snacks Harrison, who's a big player in the middle. So the transition of the Lions to the Patriot way in terms of how they use personnel and who they reward seems to be trending ever more in that direction. All right, Bill, we mentioned Demarius Thomas earlier as well. He goes to Houston. John Elway talked about the decision. I don't know if you heard him, but regardless, how does this play out for both these two teams? Well, I heard John, and I, I, I respect him greatly. And, uh, and obviously, I think he's evidencing uh, what every general manager feels on a day like today. In terms of Demarius Thomas with the Broncos, he was a player who had plateaued. He wasn't going to ascend anymore. Cortland Sutton was behind him and needed playing time. And they were in the market, therefore, for uh, uh, an ability to get something for him while he still has something left. And when preparation meets opportunity, 
there you have a trade to Houston. When Will Fuller went down, Houston was devoid of a downfield talent, devoid of a guy who could make plays opposite DeAndre Hopkins, and here is Demarius Thomas, still plateaued, but not at the end of his career, and an ability to step right in and give Deshaun Watson another valuable, reliable target. And John Fox said it best, he can catch the ball in really tight spaces. He may not be able to separate like he used to, but with those long arms and strong hands, he can make plays on contested balls. So this was a good trade, really, for both teams. Bill, thank you. And again, these two teams play each other on Sunday. Don't go anywhere. We'll get back to you in in just a minute. Right now, though, we turn to Adam Schefter. Adam, under an hour to go now. What do you hear? Well, Wendy, 48 minutes to go until the trade deadline. And as Bill Polian pointed out before, don't forget that sometimes teams have submitted paperwork by then. You remember the failed trade between the Browns and the Bengals last year that involved A.J. McCarron that they did not get in in time that word broke out after 15 minutes after the deadline. So keep your eye on the trade deadline at 4 o'clock, but there could be something afterwards in the minutes after. And, of course, we have right now the name that we're watching as we speak is that Dante Fowler, the Jacksonville Jaguars defensive end, who was once, I believe, the third overall pick in the draft, who's been a disappointing player so far in Jacksonville, is somebody that Jacksonville has gotten calls on and looks intent upon dealing. The Jaguars have been asking for two third-round draft picks in return for Dante Fowler. We'll see whether they can get that. A lot of people have wondered whether Jacksonville will make a move at quarterback. It will not. We've said that before, and it seems to be true now. They are rotting out with Blake Bortles and Cody Kessler as their quarterbacks, and they are prepared to move forward with those two particular players. Another player to watch as the 4 o'clock trade deadline approaches is Ty Montgomery in Green Bay, with him fumbling that kickoff in the fourth quarter that denied Aaron Rodgers the chance to go get the ball back and to beat the unbeaten Los Angeles Rams. The Packers have taken some calls on Ty Montgomery. We'll see whether they can get a trade partner in the next 45 or so minutes. The New York Giants, who have been connected to trade talks involving Janoris Jenkins and Landon Collins and Olivier Vernon, don't appear right now to have anything close or percolating at this particular moment. So it looks like the Giants are going to stay quiet right now, Wendy. Adam, thank you. Perhaps the fryer sale is complete. We'll be back with you shortly as we make our way through this final hour. Press coverage, though, right now from our Josina Anderson on another wide receiver on the move. She says, I'm told Terrell Pryor is traveling back to Buffalo with his current intentions to sign with the Bills at this time. Well, Ty Montgomery fumbled a kickoff return late against the Rams. It cost Aaron Rodgers and the Packers a chance to drive down the field and possibly win this game. Reports indicated that he had defied his coach's instructions to simply take a knee, so maybe not a huge surprise that Ty Montgomery has been traded to the Baltimore Ravens. Adam, how did this all come together? Well, Wendy, this just in, basically. The Green Bay Packers just traded Ty Montgomery to the Baltimore Ravens for a seventh-round draft pick in 2020. So it's a delayed pick, not in this draft but in the next one. And the Baltimore Ravens get another offensive weapon that they could use at the running back and wide receiver position. Keep in mind that Ty Montgomery's contract was up after this season. And so the Packers were going to lose him anyway. But the fact that they're willing to trade him now shows you how much they were willing to move on from him at this point in time. And also, I think the feeling was mutual. When he fumbled that kickoff at the end of that game right there, that told everybody. You saw how upset everybody was in Green Bay. That was his last play with the Packers, but 
the Baltimore Ravens will happily give him a fresh start right now. And so there's another trade that's come in before the 4 o'clock deadline. We now have about 40 more minutes to go. It would not be a surprise if we still get another trade. I think the next trade to watch is Dante Fowler of the Jacksonville Jaguars with teams calling. But Ty Montgomery is the latest player to get traded on this very busy trade deadline day. We've now seen today Demarius Thomas dealt from Denver to Houston, Golden Tate dealt from Detroit to Philadelphia, and Ty Montgomery dealt from Green Bay to Baltimore. It has been a busy day. We continue to wait on our Packers reporter, Rob Demoski. He'll join us shortly. But, Coach, you said it this morning. Change, change was coming in Green Bay with regards to Ty Montgomery. Yeah, you could just tell too much information that was coming out of the Green Bay Packers organization, whether it was from players, coaches, or whatnot. But, you know, I think, uh, you know, with the emergence of the running back situation there in Green Bay, I think they, were, they, they could afford to move on. And I think with Baltimore, they've got now a more – pass-catching-oriented type of running back to give them another weapon, in particular on third down. Yeah, 3.7 yards per carry for Alex Collins so far this season. Less than three yards per carry for Buck Allen so far this season. You know, I, I, my, my reaction really, though, is, is about Ty Montgomery. Just the fallout of events, the sequence of events, and maybe I, I just didn't know uh, sort of the, the, how he was perceived in this locker room. But I, you know, felt like a couple of years ago, this was a guy maybe as, as recently as last year, routinely praised for his versatility, his toughness to make a position change to go from wide receiver to running back. You know, falling out of favor is probably the polite way of putting it right now. And I get it. Last Sunday, this was a massive change of events that was caused by his poor decision to take the football out of the end zone on a kickoff return. But it, life comes at you fast right now in the NFL. Uh, and, you know, for now, maybe the big winner on Green Bay side is Aaron Jones, who 12 carries, 86 yards and a touchdown last week, finally got his shot. He should be very busy. And it starts this Sunday in a game that – I understand that it's not technically a must-win, but you might as well call it that for the Packers who are in the midst of a four of five games on the road stretch. It's amazing how things you know, can change quickly when you go from being a guy that they are trying to find a way to get on the field to being a guy that they are replacing. I mean, listen, Ty Montgomery was a guy who was a receiver who was a good returner who they were like, how do we get this guy in the field? Let's make him a running back. And then he was featured. And all of a sudden you're watching you know, Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams play and all of a sudden, maybe you don't like being a Green Bay Packer as much as it seemed like you, you thought you did. I mean, that's, I mean, it's typically how it happens with players. I mean, yeah, and I'm not, I'm not assassinating his character either because he did, like you said, Timmy. He, I was there for it in that division when he went from receiver to running back when they were completely out of running back. Yeah. So, yeah, I think it's just the timing of it, and you know, it could work out both for you know for both teams. But a fall from grace, I agree with you, Field. That is a polite way of yeah. putting it. That is a tough play, by the way, to end your career in Green Bay on, but nevertheless, that's the case. Rob Domofsky, uh, what more can you add here? Well, Wendy, even before Montgomery had the fumbled kickoff, his role had been greatly reduced. He only played six snaps against the Rams on Sunday. His last play before the fumble kickoff was an incomplete pass, and that's when he came off the sideline, very frustrated, very upset. Told us yesterday, in the midst of all the talk about the fumble, that he doesn't know what his role is on this team, and clearly the role had been reduced. Now, this is a guy who did sacrifice himself, as he said it. He Look, he made the move in season, mid-season, from receiver to running back for the good of the team, and he said, look, I know it could affect the length of my career, but I'm going to do it. It is a hard ending, 
But look, with the emergence of Aaron Jones, the reliability of Jamal Williams in pass protection, it really made Ty Montgomery's role uh, limited. And then the kickoff return, the fumble, the decision to bring it out when he shouldn't have was really just the final straw. The Packers are, though, Wendy, just a little thin at halfback now with just only those two guys on the roster. It is still unclear when Le'Veon Bell will rejoin the Steelers. He has yet to sign his franchise tender. That means he cannot be traded before today's 4 o'clock Eastern deadline. And then no player can be traded after that deadline has passed. And we've got about 32 minutes. Who's ready? 10 seconds or so for the deadline. Jeremy Fowler, I love this. The best part of my day. How are you? Where is Le'Veon Bell? (laughs) When is he coming? What do you know? Wendy, it's good to bring you some sunshine here in <laughs> Pittsburgh, but Le'Veon Bell is not expected to be traded by that 4 p.m. deadline unless something crazy happens in the next half hour. But Bell has not taken a physical. He is not signed, and you can't trade an unsigned player. And so the Steelers are expected to stand pat, and they are open to Bell riding out this year with the Steelers. As one source told me, if Bell shows up and he plays well, then everybody's happy. And Bell himself doesn't want to be traded. He wants to be a Steeler long-term. He told me he didn't think there were any major suitors out there in the month of October. And so they got to figure out a way to play James Conner and Le'Veon Bell. Now, on the cornerback front, I thought the Steelers might look into making some moves there. They need help. Artie Burns has struggled as the second cornerback opposite Joe Hayden. But I am told that they are not expected to make a move for Janoris Jenkins or the other big-name cornerbacks out there. Again, unless something changes drastically at the deadline, they're not intrigued enough to make a major move at that front. Ben Roethlisberger, really quick on the injury front has a left index finger fracture, but he's expected to play on Sunday. All right, Jeremy, thank you. Again, that's his left hand, his non-throwing hand. Uh, We appreciate it. If anything changes, you know, get back in touch. We'd appreciate it. (laughs) Adam Schefter. I'm sure uh, we'll talk soon. (laughs) What can you add? Well, 30 minutes to the trade deadline, Wendy, and right now Jacksonville's fielding calls on Dante Fowler. It's been asking for two third-round picks in return for the former first overall, uh, for the former third overall pick. Also, two other wide receiver notes. The Lions have restructured the contract of Marvin Jones, freeing up $2.2 million in cap space. And a short time ago, the Seattle Seahawks released veteran wide receiver Brandon Marshall, who absolutely wants to continue playing. So if there's a team out there that is looking for a receiver, a veteran replacement, Brandon Marshall now available, Wendy. All right, Jeffy, Brandon Marshall available again. We are right about the half hour mark. Uh, let's circle back to, to Le'Veon Bell for just a minute. Uh, Field, what's your, your take on the way this scenario plays out now that, like, for all intents and purposes, he won't be traded? You know, we've been spending so much time, and we said this earlier on, might have even been in the previous show at this point of the trade deadline countdown, that forever we were thinking, what is the Steelers' plan for Le'Veon Bell? How are they approaching the situation with Le'Veon Bell? They're approaching it like this for now on. The ball's in his court. We are rolling along with James Conner and the rest of our offensive artillery until or unless Le'Veon Bell shows up because there's nothing they can do. It feels as though one person and one person only knows what Le'Veon Bell is going to do for now, and that's Le'Veon. And I think that we can concede that Le'Veon's chain uh, plans might change in his own mind by the day, by the hour, by the minute. Yeah. Look at all the money he has relinquished to this point. And I understand that this has always been about 2019 and beyond for Le'Veon Bell, but it's clear now that if you're the Steelers, like you have already, I don't say moved on from Le'Veon Bell, but week to week, you are moving on from him. Well, you are, and, and you use the term rolling along, and it almost undersells what James Conner has done. Fantastic. I mean, he's been yep. fantastic. I would not call him adequate. It's not as if he stepped in and, and sort of stopped the deluge. He has been 
exceptionally productive coach. Yeah, well, I mean, I think it's the big turnaround in the Pittsburgh Steelers season, you know, both in the run game as well as in as a pass receiver. So, you know, the guy that's benefited out of this has been James Conner, and that's why they drafted him, and that's why he was picked. You know, and again, what Le'Veon does, I'm not sure. I was, in fact, even a little surprised that Jeremy Fowler didn't walk off when asked about Le'Veon Bell. <laughs> I wouldn't blame him. It's been a while. All right, but, you know, I think, you know, the Pittsburghs are in a great position. You know, Le'Veon, uh, when he comes in, Again, if, if he's serious about wanting to remain a Steeler, it's going to be important how he conducts himself over this next eight or nine weeks or however long the season goes for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Look, I, I mean, I think Le'Veon has been clear. His desire, because I think that it's been hard for a lot of people to understand why he would forfeit as much money as he's forfeited this season. His desire is to be healthy and have a crack at free agency in 2019. I mean, and he is banking on the fact that somebody – is going to sign him to a long-term deal, and if he and he's essentially looking to kind of, at least what it seemed like he was looking for was to blow the running back market kind of out of the water. I don't get the sense that this year has helped that. I mean, and and you know, obviously he's going to report at some point because in order to get that path to free agency, he needs to be on a roster for at least six games that this year season. Has to so pass. That's correct. correct. And so I think when you look at that. You know, I would think that a team that's going to invest long-term in him with a lot of guaranteed money in him is going to want to see him play this season at some point at some level rather than have an entire year off. I, I think it's going to be interesting to see this play out. It may, it may very well work okay and 2019 be protected in its entirety, but you don't know. I, I, I think this will be curious to watch as we go forward. Press coverage from Josina Anderson again with more wide receiver news. She says, I'm told Bucks wide receiver Deshaun Jackson has been told by the team he will not be traded. And at this point, there is 30 minutes to go in the NFL trade deadline. 21 minutes, 30 seconds to go. Adam Schefter, more news. What you got? Well, Wendy, this just came in moments ago, but basically the Jacksonville Jaguars just traded Dante Fowler to the Los Angeles Rams for a third-round pick in 2019 and a fifth-round pick in 2020, two draft picks in exchange for the former third overall pick. And basically, the Rams have been looking for somebody to rush the quarterback from the edge. They believe that Dante Fowler will be able to do that. Now, Jacksonville have been hoping to get two third-round picks back in return. You see why the trade came in where it did, at a three and a five. The Rams did not want to part with two threes, but they did want to get that pass rusher. Dante Fowler was somebody that they identified. He's had some character issues down in Jacksonville, but he does have talent. It's somebody that the Rams felt that they needed to try to continue this unbeaten season to get somebody to match up with Indomitian Sue and Aaron Donald and Michael Brockers along that front line, and they think that Wade Phillips, the defensive coordinator, can get that type of pass rush out of him. Adam, thank you. The rich get richer. We will turn now to uh, former GM Bill Pauley. And, Bill, what's the thought process here if you're the Jacksonville Jaguars? Well, uh, Fowler had been a disappointment on and off the field in Jacksonville. He hadn't produced he was not a starter, uh, and he had some difficulties off the field. Uh, so this was a question of uh, cutting ties with a player who, who they really had been disappointed in. Um, the, it, it's essentially a third. You know, the, the fifth is a is a sweetener that just makes it look better. And uh, so you've traded a guy who is a, essentially a non-productive number one uh, for a third-round pick. That's what it boils down to. And sometimes you're better off, in Jacksonville's case, with addition by subtraction, 
And then in the case of the Rams, they didn't pay a terribly high price for a player who does have talent but has not shown it thus far with any degree of consistency on or off the field. Bill, thank you. Well, addition by subtraction is exactly what I thought of, if you believe he's been a disappointment uh, in terms of the character issues and the production on the field. Uh, but, I, you know, if you're the Rams, I, I, how good is this team? They're all in, I'll tell you that much. I mean, they are. I mean, uh, listen, chips are on the table. They are fantastic. They're 8-0 right now. They have an offense that continues to find ways to stress a defense that they haven't previously put on film week to week, which is part of why they're so difficult to defend and prepare for. But what I would say about the defensive front is that – uh, the best way to apply, apply pressure to a quarterback is by doing so from a bunch of different angles. You've got two play records in Dominican Sue and Aaron Donald, who leads the NFL with 10 sacks so far this season. I don't want to say that Dante Fowler has been a dominant player. He's shown some flashes. He's had one good season. He's also had, as Bill alluded to, some behavioral issues. A player that was suspended for a week of training camp this year, for example. Um, but... He, a change of scenery can do really well for people at some points. And he gets away from Jacksonville, where he was not an afterthought, but wasn't a primary focal point of their pass rush every single week in the way that the Rams are going to need him to be right now in Los Angeles. I feel like it makes sense to take the risk, to be honest with you. He had eight sacks last year. Yeah. Finding a guy that can get close to double-digit sacks is not easy to do. Right. Um, and so I think that that is significant. I think the issue there is that, for whatever reason, doesn't didn't fit in with the team. You know, he wasn't right. a starter. I think that was an issue for him. There are a lot of big personalities on that defense, and sometimes, you know, that doesn't always match. But he's got two sacks on the season, but hasn't played 30 snaps in a single game this year for Jacksonville. I mean, he wasn't even playing for Jacksonville. So I think for, from Jacksonville's perspective, it's a guy that didn't appear to be well-liked in the locker room, was playing a very limited role for you. And it makes sense to, to get rid of him, I guess, at, at that point. Um, didn't pick up his fifth-year option. And, and, and so that's what you were dealing with with Fowler. And then at least for the Rams, like, there's a guy that at least has shown that he can get close to being a double-digit sack guy. Yeah, I think, again, it's, it's obviously been a disappointment for Jacksonville. I'm talking about the pick and, and the currency they used, you know, to take Fowler. But, you know, the one thing I'll say about the Rams is Les Snee and, and the Rams as a total organization are aggressive. And they've gone out and they've made those changes. And they've really been pretty good inside with their pass rush. All right. But they haven't had that outside element that really has been a matchup problem. And then I'd heard they were kind of looking for, you know, something available on the outside. And I think it's a good mix for them, too, for a third and fifth. Well, it's interesting for Dante Fowler. First time out of Florida. Born in Florida. Played his college football in Florida. Then for yeah. Jacksonville. And now, sick, Wendy. Yeah, well, you yeah, think we'll because he's not just going to Georgia, Tim. No, sir. He's going <laughs> all the way across the country. <laughs> Low humidity. That's right. All right, as we continue to approach the trade deadline, October has already seen eight trades take place, including a couple of Giants moves, Eli Apple as well as Damon Snacks Harrison changing teams, and we have matched last year's October trade total of eight. There was some speculation really leading into uh, the early part of this week, Jordan Renan, as we say hello, that the Giants weren't done, that there would continue to be, if you will, a fire sale. Uh, 16 minutes to go, I would say probably that that's not the case. Yeah, that's fair to say right now. I mean, if anyone's going to get moved at this point, it looks like it would probably be Janaris Jenkins. So he's a guy who's proven to be a Pro Bowl cornerback who could help teams. He has a fairly reasonable contract, two more years left after this. But this year, not overly expensive. So a team like the Chiefs might be able to fit him in, especially for this year, and make a run at it. That's a team you hear with interest in some of the Giants' defensive backs. Now, another player teams have called about has been Landon Collins. But this is a player 
the Giants don't necessarily want to get rid of. Now, maybe would they have done it if the right offer came that blew them away? Sure, probably. That's the same with a lot of guys on the roster. But the Giants had a very high asking price, apparently, for uh, Landon Collins, and he doesn't appear to be going anywhere at this point. Same with guys like Olivier Vernon and uh, even Eli Manning. Remember, he has that no-trade clause, and really, is there a market for him at this point? So the Giants look like... Their moves primarily were done last week with Eli Apple and Damon Harrison. Our Week 9 Monday Night Football matchup, a crucial one between three and four teams coming off the bye in Dallas. It's the Titans and Cowboys and the Dallas debut for Amari Cooper. 8.15 Eastern, 5.15 Pacific on ESPN. Also simulcast in Spanish on ESPN2. A quick look at what we've seen today. Demarius Thomas, a Bronco no more. Denver sending Thomas to the Texans. These two teams will face each other in Denver on Sunday. The Broncos say they will honor Demarius Thomas. Uh, After that, we saw Golden Tate headed out of the Motor City. He leaves Detroit bound to join the reigning Super Bowl champions. He becomes an additional weapon for Carson Wentz as he arrives to the Eagles. Ty Montgomery fumbled a kickoff return late against the Los Angeles Rams. It cost Aaron Rodgers and the Packers a chance to drive down the field and score. And so, with reports indicating Ty Montgomery had his, ignored his coach's decisions, or, or he is headed to the Baltimore Ravens. Ty Montgomery traded as well. And then the final trade we've seen so far with about 15 minutes to go, Jonte Fowler Jr., Having been a disappointment in Jacksonville, both on and off the field, he is headed to Los Angeles Rams. He was born in Florida, played college ball there. So the first time he leaves the state of Florida to play football. Adam Schefter, we're still going here. We got some time. Do we have another trade? Yeah, we do, Wendy. Ten minutes to the deadline, and the Green Bay Packers have traded ha-ha Clinton Dix to the Washington Redskins. We do not know the exact compensation in return yet, but ha-ha Clinton Dix, who had been rumored to be dealt from Green Bay has now been traded. And so the Packers have capped their busy afternoon with two trades, trading Ty Montgomery to the Baltimore Ravens for a seventh-round pick in 2020 and ha-ha Clinton Dix to the Washington Redskins, who have been the lone holdout during the trade deadline. We've seen the Giants trade away players. We've seen the Cowboys trade for Amari Cooper. We've seen the Philadelphia Eagles trade for Golden Tate. And now the first-place Washington Redskins finally have joined the party. And they have traded for a ha-ha Clinton Dix to help fortify their secondary. A busy day in that Packers front office. And you just saw the tweet from ha-ha Clinton Dix. He tweeted just a few moments ago, much love, y'all. It was, in fact, a busy trade deadline day. You can see the recap. We've got one, two, three, four, five trades today. And then we saw a number of notable names moved even before today. So all in all, an active trade season. Bill Polian. Back with us for a final time. I'll ask you your biggest takeaway from today. Well, Golden Tate to the Eagles. I think uh, they get a guy to the Eagles who can make big plays uh, with the ball in his hand, running it from the slot, catching it. Uh, They get chunk yardage back that they lost in the running game in another way and at a reasonable price. All right, Bill, Adam Schefter, uh, plenty got done today as expected, but you know what? There were a number of deals left on the table as well. 
Well, Wendy, look, we've been waiting for the New York Giants to make another trade. As of right now, a few minutes before the trade deadline, the Giants haven't traded anybody. The Oakland Raiders haven't traded anybody else as well. The Arizona Cardinals, who some people speculated, could be moving on from Patrick Peterson or Dayon Buchanan. They haven't done anything right now. The Jacksonville Jaguars did not do anything at the quarterback position. Also a mild surprise. But the Packers made two moves today, trading HaHa Clinton Dix to the Washington Redskins and Ty Montgomery to the Baltimore Ravens for a 2020 seventh round draft pick. And of course, it's almost four o'clock and still no official word from Le'Veon Bell, which means he's not going to be traded from Pittsburgh this season. He still has not shown up at the Steelers training facility. We have no idea exactly when Le'Veon Bell will report. So even though there's been this flurry of activity, some things just remain exactly as we would expect with Le'Veon Bell. Uh, Thank you, Shefty, as we're under the three-minute mark now. I I do feel like Jeremy Fowler should get some sort of hazard pay for having to ask Mike Tomlin about Le'Veon Bell until this thing gets wrapped up. Now we're looking at really at a two-week deadline for Bell in order for him to return and then vest for the season. Uh, I'll just ask you around the table, what what do you take away from today? Well, I think a couple things. Look, I understand the Golden Tate trade. I I think this, though, you look at their defensive front, Brandon Graham, Chris Long, Michael Bennett, Haloti Nada, like a lot of old players. And so I think giving up a third-round pick for a guy which you're going to have for eight games, to me that ended up seeing like it was a lot, especially when you consider, you know, kind of just the way their roster is set up. I'm not saying Golden Tate can't help him. I think he will. But you also have a 25-year-old quarterback that you want to be good for the next decade. It's not just about making a run, in my estimation. The trade I like the most to Marys Thomas because I like it on both sides. I think it was perfect for the Broncos to see young players play and obviously a need for the Texans. Coach? Well, I think, you know, again, the aggressiveness of the Rams, you know, going out and getting Dante Fowler. I think, you know, that's kind of maybe the missing piece of the puzzle that they didn't really address in the offseason like they did their corner. You got uh, Keeb Tlaib coming back, I think, fortunately soon. Uh, the guy I'm really happy for, because it's never easy being traded, is Demarius Thomas, because I think he'll really like Deshaun Watson, and he'll like the organization of the Houston Texans. A veteran presence in that locker room for a long time in Denver, so it'll raise some eyebrows, but it's, uh, it's the way it works. Yeah, final trade that we saw, or the most recent one that we saw, was Ha Clinton Dix going from the Packers to the Redskins, so the Packers trade away two players in Ty Montgomery and Clinton Dix. But I like this move for the Washington Redskins. UJ Swearinger's been playing terrific football for them. He's had a couple of interceptions in recent notable games. And this is a team that we know is stout up front. They have held over the past three games Saquon Barkley, Zeke Elliott, and Christian McCaffrey to 91 combined rushing yards. But being good up front and being stout in the middle of the defense is not just having good defensive linemen. It's being good all the way at all three levels. They've really fortified a secondary that's been a surprise so far this season in a positive way. Well, let me ask you this. You heard Adam Schefter talk about the deals that didn't get done. A team that didn't make a move that we speculated might was New England. How active were they, Field? I know you're plugged in there. Certainly been pretty active, always making calls and exploring options for them. Um, you know, I think ultimately when you play a Monday night game, it does impact your Tuesday trade deadline ability. They played last night, but the Patriots have certainly found their footing offensively. Now it comes down to whether they can tighten things up on defense. All right, we hope these guys get their paperwork in on time, Coach. We've <laughs> seen that movie before. Make sure everything's working, signed, sealed, and delivered. Uh, we're literally just seconds away, so I guess that, that, that's want, about that. I want Jeremy Fowler right here. Hang in there, right Jeremy Fowler. We love you. <laughs> we feel for you. And eventually we'll see Le'Veon Bell. We're out, guys. <laughs>